Well, welcome everyone. You're listening to Born on This Day podcast. I'm Marco Timpano. And I'm Bill Antonio. And Bill, today is April 23rd. Mm. How you doing today? I'm all right, Marco. Great. Well, today is also National Picnic Day. Oh, I could use a picnic. Oh, couldn't we all? It's one of those days where everyone's getting on my nerves today, Marco. So one thing I would love is just a basket with some plates and a sandwich, maybe some grapes. That's been my week. I've just had like the most horrendous week, but today is great. Do you enjoy picnics? Um, yeah, I do, although it's hard for me to sit cross-legged on the ground for too long. Sure. Um, I've always wanted to get one of those classic picnic basket things, you know, yep. you know what, like in the old movies where they open up the little suitcase and the plates and knives are like attached with straps to the side. Yeah. You can never, you can't find those. Yeah, you know, they're, they're expensive, but that's good to know that you want that. When I see it, I'll get it for you. But oh, it's one thanks. of those things that you you have, those sort of one-use item. It's mm-hmm. like, how often are you breaking this huge thing out? For well, these days a lot, because uh, for as long as quarantine lasts, I can only hang out with my friends in parks, so. That's true. That's yeah. true. Well, okay, picnic basket it is. Listen, if you were born today on April 23rd, you can be a clever little Dickens, uh, <laughs> Bill. Uh, this youthful trade is your trademark. You are also likely to have premonitions. In okay. additions, you can have great timing. Okay. Sounds like you're a bit of a pain. Uh, <laughs> celebrating a birthday today, first up, we have John Senna, a WWE fighter who was groomed for stardom in roles that appealed to his physical skills, first in his breakout film, The Marine, later playing parts in Trainwreck, Sisters, and starring in Daddy's Home, Blockers, and Fighting With My Family. He voiced the main character in the animated film Ferdinand, and will soon be seen in Fast and Furious 9, which I have been told they have started uh, showing the trailers for again. Oh, wow. He still performs as a wrestler and is considered one of the greatest of all time, a five-time United States champion, four-time world tag team champion, and six-time, 16-time world champion. Wow. He released a rap album called You Can't See Me in 2005. I bet we wish we couldn't hear him either. And is known for his involvement with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, having granted the most wishes in history, over 650. He was born on this day in West Newbury, Massachusetts in 1977. Wow. You know what? I have to say, I really enjoy him. I think he's great. Uh, you know, I'm not one for these crossover artists or these mm. wannabe crossover artists. But that said, I have to say, I really do enjoy him. Um, he doesn't quite have the charisma that someone like Schwarzenegger had, you know, okay. like in terms of the people whose footsteps he's following in. I don't find him as good, but, you know, he's and he's not the rock, but he's good. Right. But he was yeah. great in in what was that film? Um, The one where Trainwreck. I thought he was great in Trainwreck. Mm. Yeah. OK, fair enough. Okay. All right. Well, listen, Dave Patel may have been familiar. Oh, sorry. Dev Patel may have been familiar to British television audiences who watched him on one season of Skins, but he became an international sensation when he was cast in the lead role in the Best Picture Oscar winning film Slumdog Millionaire, which I thought was great. Uh, He quickly followed it with The Last Airbender, Aaron Sorkin's series The Newsroom, and the two best exotic Marigold Hotel films. I had to go see one. Um, In 2016, he was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor and in 2019, challenged conventional casting when he played the title character in Armando Iannucci's adaptation of Charles Dickens' David Copperfield. He was born on this day in London, England in 1990. 
Lee Majors was a television star in the 70s, beloved by young viewers for his performance as Colonel Steve Austin on The Six Million Dollar Man for five seasons, during which he also appeared as that character on the spinoff The Bionic Woman. He had another television success in the early 80s with the show The Fall Guy, played himself in Scrooged, was a guest on episodes of Tour of Duty, Will and Grace, Weeds, Dallas, and in 2019 was on an episode of the Magnum P.I. reboot. He was married to Farrah Fawcett for a while, and he was born on this day in Wyandotte, Michigan in 1939. I can still remember being a kid and being mm-hmm. excited for the $6 million man Bigfoot really? episode. The Bigfoot mm. episode? Oh, mm. Bill, it was like must-see TV. I never saw that. I've never seen that show. You were you were too young because I was I was almost too young for it. So, Interesting. Yeah. Well, John Hanna is best known for his roles in a few movies in the '90s as Matthew in Four Weddings and a Funeral, as Jonathan in the Mummy movies, and as Gwyneth Paltrow's love interest in Sliding Doors. He worked as an apprentice electrician before deciding to pursue acting studying at the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama in Glasgow. He made his debut on the Glasgow set series Bronde in 1987. Later was in Norman Jewison's The Hurricane, I'm with Lucy, and Spartacus Cable Series, and a series uh, uh, on the, sorry, on a season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was born on this day in East Kilbride, Scotland in 1962. After roles on episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Spin City and the films Van Wilder and Malibu's Most Wanted, Cal Penn became a star with his performance in the popular comedy Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. It led to roles in A Lot Like Love, Superman Returns, and Van Wilder 2, and in 2006, Mira Nair cast him in her adaptation of the award-winning novel The Namesake, encouraged to do so because her son was a fan of his. In 2009, he joined the Obama administration as an associate director. He later appeared in the Harold and Kumar sequel, was a regular on House MD, Designated Survivor, and Sunnyside. This year, he's on Clarice and Mira, Royal Detective. He was born on this day in Montclair, New Jersey in 1977. Amanda had had a scene with him in um, the President film there. What's it called? Oh, I can't remember. interesting. Uh, that, yeah, that's who he, she had the scene with, and she mm. said he was really lovely. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Craig Sheffer may be best known for playing the other male lead in A River Runs Through It, starring, of course, Brad Pitt. He had early roles in the films Some Kind of Wonderful and the Teen Wolf series. After leaving Stroudsburg State University, where he was playing football to move to Los Angeles and pursue acting. After breaking up with his girlfriend and suffering several weeks of homelessness and living under the staircase at Grand Central Station, he eventually got himself together and got an agent and started working. He starred in Clive Barker's second film, Nightbreed, in 1990. Later films include Sleep With Me and With Meg Tilly, the alien adventure Fire in the Sky, the football movie The Program, and the exotic drama Bliss. More recently, he was on the series One Tree Hill and the film Stand Up Guys. He was born on this day in York, Pennsylvania in 1960. Uh, This next one is uh, probably my favorite on the list, Marco. The great Judy Davis studied at Australia's National Institute of Dramatic Art before getting her incredible career off to a fantastic start in Gillian Armstrong's adaptation of Miles Franklin's My Brilliant Career. 
It was a sensation at Cannes and made Davis's career go international, earning her first Oscar nomination for David Lean's A Passage to India in 1984. She starred in the Australian films Kangaroo, High Tide, and Georgia, played George Sand in the British film Impromptu, and in 1991 gained critical acclaim for her performances in David Cronenberg's Naked Lunch and the Coen Brothers' Barton Fink. She earned a second Oscar nomination for her most acclaimed performance in Woody Allen's Husbands and Wives, then later appeared in the comedy The Ref, Absolute Power, Deconstructing Harry, and won an Emmy Award and a Golden Globe for her performance as Judy Garland in the TV movie Me and My Shadows. She was later on the series The Starter Wife with Deborah Messing, played Hedda Hopper on Feud, and this past year was on the series Ratched. She was born on the stay in Perth, Australia in 1955. Yeah, she's quite good, I have to say. The best. Yeah. Well, someone who drives me a bit crazy, Bill, is <laughs> Valerie Bertinelli. She was a teenager when she became a TV star in the mid-70s, playing Barbara on the hit series One Day at a Time for nine seasons, winning two Golden Globes for Best Supporting Actress. During its run and after it, she starred on a series of popular TV movies, including The Princess and the Cabbie, Shattered Vows, Rockabye, and Silent Witness. Later, was in the Sidney Sheldon miniseries, I'll take Manhattan. I wonder how steamy that one got. Julianne Moore is in it. It's one of her first roles. Oh, is she? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh my God. Can you yeah. imagine watching her yeah. next to Valerie? Both Bernal? of them have so much hair and so much makeup. It's hysterical. Oh man. Yeah. I got to see a clip of that. Okay. She was also in two short-lived uh, sitcoms. Sydney. That was with um, uh, the Odd Couple guy, right? What's his name? The It might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is that Love, Sydney? Anyways, it doesn't matter. And Cafe American. For two years, she was a regular on Touched by an Angel and uh, most recently had a hit comedy with Hot in Cleveland in 2010 to 2015. More recently, she had she's uh, found success as a cooking host, and I lose that use that term very lightly because if you watch <laughs> her cook, it's like really winning an Emmy for Valerie's Homecoming for Best Culinary Program ugh, and Best Culinary Host in 2019. She was born on this day in Wilmington, Delaware in 1960. As soon as you mentioned that you had an asterisk to put next to Valerie Bertinelli, I was like, for sure, he's going to be talk about her cooking show because Marco doesn't watch anything but cooking shows it's and true. hospital shows. So It's true. It's like, yeah. oh my God. I, that Really? Those are the two things, main staples. And anything British where it's a, a, a slight competition, that's mm-hmm. all I ever want to watch. Why don't you like her cooking, her cooking show? Well, because she's not a great cook and she does things that drives me a bit crazy. And she okay. she leans on that cutesiness. Like right. I was a TV. I hate anyone who leans on being right. cute or being like, oh, you know, that kind of shit. Get it out of my face. Right. I have no time with it. I love Hot in Cleveland. I watch that show all the time. Is she good in it, though? Is she like one of your faves? Uh, she's not my favorite on okay. it, but okay. I, I wouldn't take her away. Like the okay. three of them together, plus Betty White, you know, yeah. like it's and Betty White's the reason I'm even watching it at all. Right. Fair. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I love all four of them together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a flimsy, flimsy sitcom, but um, it's exactly what the doctor orders in these in these dark times. Sure, sure. Um, Franklin D. Roosevelt considered that one of the people doing the most to help Americans during the Depression was a six-year-old girl named Shirley Temple, the biggest star of the 30s for her bright and sunny performances in the films Stand Up and Cheer, Little Miss Marker, The Little Colonel, and Curly Top. My favorite is Wee Willie Winkie. In 1935, she was given the first Oscar for Outstanding Juvenile Performer of the Year and is still the youngest person to ever 
uh, receive an Academy Award. She was about six at the time. Oh, wow. Her popularity waned as she reached her teenage years, co-starring with Cary Grant in The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. And she lost interest in acting, retiring in 1949 and moving into politics. She was a vocal supporter of the Vietnam War during her run for Congress, was named delegate to the United Nations by Nixon in 1969, and elected to the board of directors of Walt Disney Productions in 1974. That same year, she was appointed American ambassador to Ghana, later in 1989, ambassador to Czechoslovakia. In 1988, she told Larry King that of the $3 million she generated for 20th Century Fox in her childhood, she only saw $45,000 of it in her trust fund. Wow. She died in 2014 at the age of 85. She was born on this day in Santa Monica, California in 1928. All right, Bill. So she's kind of the opposite of Valerie Bertinelli for me, (laughs) at least for that time. The fabulous Joyce DeWitt starred as Janet Wood on eight seasons of the sitcom Three's Company, for which she was never... She never won a single award nomination of any kind. Ridiculous. It's terrible, yeah. Yeah. During its run, she made guest appearances on a few shows. I'm sure The Love Boat would have been one of them because I remember Mm -hmm. seeing her. uh, And starred in a handful of TV movies. Plus, because of her refusal to ever be bare-legged on uh, Three's Company, ended up landing a lengthy campaign in commercials for Legs Pantyhose. Those Mm -hmm. are the ones that were in the little egg, right, Right, Bill? Yep, that's right. After the series ended, she took more than a decade decade off from acting, traveling the world before eventually settling in New Mexico. She had focused more of her attention on stage since, though in the mid-90s she appeared on episodes of Sybil and Hope Island. Since then, she's only been in a few films, the most recent one in 2020. She does work for the hunger charity Life, and in 2009 was arrested for driving through a barricade in a park. Uh, she did not speak to Three's Company co-star Suzanne Summers for 30 years until they were reunited on Summers' online talk show, Breaking Through. She was born on this day in Wheeling, West Virginia in 1949. I, I wish I had seen her on Suzanne Summers' talk show where Suzanne's like, I've cured cancer by eating carrots or whatever. And right. Janet just looks at her being like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good. I love Janet. She was so great. Oh, man. Mm. I, you know what? Like Janet, Chrissy and Jack for me were the all time greatest. And, yeah. and I credit Three's Company as one of the reasons I got into acting. Oh, I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They definitely made it look like it was such effortless fun. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of funny, Jan Hooks is best remembered for her many years on Saturday Night Live, beginning in 1986, where she contributed contributed a number of unforgettable characters, including Candy Sweeney, one of my favorites, and Tammy Faye Baker. In 1991, she joined the cast of Designing Women to replace Jean Smart, staying on until the series ended two years later. Her name was Carlene on the show, <laughs> and Jean Smart was Charlene. Charlene. Oh. A former member of the Groundlings, she had roles in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Batman Returns, Simon Birch, and appeared on Third Rock from the Sun, Primetime Glick, and two episodes of 30 Rock, which were her final on-screen appearance in 2010. She died very young, very sadly, four years later, at the age of 57. She was born on this day in Decatur, Georgia, in 1957. Can I just say how great Gene Smart is in... Um, everything. In, in everything. What, what, what's that film? I just watched her in a nominated film. Um, uh, she's in an Oscar-nominated film. Um, is she? What, what do we just watch her on, me and Amanda? And I'm like, Jean Smart is great in everything. She's on that new Mare of Easttown show, isn't she? She's in that film with um, uh, 
they're all having a party and she's divorced. Oh, I can't think right now. Okay, I'll, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. She's in a film that we just watched. And I'm like, look how great she is. She's playing the mother, the grandmother. And there's, a, oh, and um, Kate Winslet. She's in the film with Kate Winslet, where Kate Winslet. Yeah, isn't that Mayor of Easttown, that new show? The new uh, HBO show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, yeah we just yeah. watched it. The one that I just said five minutes ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. I could, it's like, it's it's got the weirdest title. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't but, seen, I haven't watched it yet. Um, I know only the first episode's out, but it sounds amazing. I can't wait to see it. Bill? Yeah. It's so good. And there's a funny line. I'm not going to spoil it, but I, remind me next time we chat after you've seen it. Because right. it made me maybe spit out loud when I watch it. All right. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about a last name that I know I'm going to get wrong. So anyways, Melina... Kanakaridis. Good is, job. Oh, yeah. wow. Is best known for playing Dr. Sidney Hansen on five seasons of Providence, yeah. a role she landed after eight years of appearing on, a te- on television, beginning on the soap opera Guiding Light. Later recurring roles included NYPD Blue, Leaving LA, and The Practice, plus appeared in the films The Long Kiss Goodnight, 15 Minutes with Robert De Niro, um, I guess it's 15 minutes and Robert De Niro s- starred in it, not 15 minutes. Uh, that's the name of the movie, yeah. Oh, it's called 15 Minutes yeah, with Robert yeah, De Niro? Oh, yeah. shit. Okay, sorry. Uh, no, round... sorry. It's called 15 okay. Minutes, but yeah. with Robert De Niro, yeah. It's just like, it reminded me of like, you know, seven minutes in heaven, you know? Sure, that's almost... exactly what it's based on, yeah. <laughs> round Rounders with... <laughs> How great would it be if it's a film where she gets 15 minutes in a closet with Robert De Niro? I hope every celebrity listens to the show to find out that no one is too good to be, you know, unnoticed. You know what I mean? Like everybody thinks they're so special. And then they hear the things that you and Amanda come up with for the celebrities and the movies that we mentioned on this show. And everyone, it'll just, it'll, it'll humble everyone. Sometimes we do deep dives on yep. people whose birthdays it's not not it. it yeah, whose it's not their. Birthdays. And sometimes you make it all up, and then I have yeah. to debunk it in the next episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our last episode is just Bill going to be r- revealing all the mistakes that me and Amanda did. <laughs> he sh- okay, she was also in Rounders with Matt Damon and the period film Dangerous Beauty. In 2003, she played Sally Bowles on Broadway at Studio 54. Mm-hmm. She uh, and I take it. Um, she later starred in CSI in New York, Extent, and The Residence. She was born on this day in Akron, Ohio in 1967. I'm imagining that she was Sally Bowles, like the seventh person, you know, to, since Amanda's not here to say it. Like, yeah. who didn't play? I'm sure. On I remember that run. That was the one that was started by Natasha Richardson. Right. And then Jennifer Jason Lee took over later. And then I think, yeah, after like a couple months, a new someone would come in. To, uh, just to like fill a, it in. a rotating, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like movie stars, and then now we're on the girl from Providence. It'll be like the polka dot door host next, <laughs> you know. Anyway, okay. Well, Marco, as the song goes, look at her. She's Sandra D, the teen star who was everyone's idea of perfect popularity. Began modeling at twelve and filmed her first movie at fifteen, debuting in Until They Sail in 1957. Two years later, the five films she appeared in in 1959 made her a teen star, particularly A Summer Place and Gidget, as well as her supporting turn in Douglas Sirk's classic Imitation of Life, my mom's favorite movie. By the late 60s, her film popularity was over, and she succumbed to anorexia, alcoholism, and depression, returning to one last movie in 1983 and delighting her fans with work on stage two decades after having gone into relative seclusion from public life. She was portrayed by Kate Bosworth in the Kevin Spacey film Beyond the Sea and said she approved of the project and said that she was always a shy person who had been bullied into modeling and acting by her ambitious parents. 
She died in 2005 at the age of 62. She was born Alexandria Zuck on this day in Bayonne, New Jersey in 1962. Documentarian, which is a word I don't use lightly, Bill. Yeah. Um, Michael and Moore. You took, use it properly. <laughs> he took a genre rarely associated with power. I wanted to say oxygenarian, but yeah. he's not that old, Bill. Well, he's first really of all, not it's that an old. Octogenarian, okay. not an oxygenarian. I think that's like an old cattle of some kind. <laughs> okay, but this—you have to admit—he looks older than his age. Uh, that's because of his looks and his size. Okay, yeah. and well, and the 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 caps and the you know slovenly uh, attire and everything. Okay. Did you say uh, his name yet? No, I haven't. Michael okay. Moore is who I'm All talking right. about, and he's the documentarian who took a genre rarely associated with box office power and drew audiences into his populist examinations of contradictions of politics and capitalism from his first effort, which was. Roger and Me in 1989, a film he raised money for by running neighborhood bingo games, if you can believe it. He tried his hand at a narrative film in 1994, the comedy Canadian Bacon, but had his biggest success when the 2002 film Bowling for Columbine uh, was released, which examined American gun culture and was a major hit that won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. In 2004, George W. Bush, uh, his expose uh, called, sorry, his 2004 George W. Bush expose, Fahrenheit 9-911, or 9-11, won the Palme d'Or. No one calls it Fahrenheit (laughs) (laughs) 9-11. It's like I've hired someone from Eritrea to read my scripts who just learned English yesterday. Listen, sorry. (laughs) I got thrown off from the beginning Mm -hmm. when I I got it wrong. Uh Okay. Yeah. I'll redo it. I'll, I'll redo it. His 2004 George W. Bush expose, Fahrenheit 9-11, won the Palme d'Or at Cannes and was followed by Sicko, Capitalism, A Love Story, and his Donald Trump expose, Fahrenheit 11-9. In 2002, his book Stupid White Men and Other Sorry Excuses uh, for the State of the Nation reached number one on the New York Times nonfiction list. He also created the series The Awful Truth in 1999 and as an actor appeared in the film's Ed TV, Lucky Numbers, and The Fever. He was born on the stay in Flint, Michigan in 1954. One of the sadder stories on our list today, Marco, Hervé Velachez stopped growing at a very young age, and his surgeon father was determined to do something about it, sending him to an American clinic for six months when he was 12, where doctors did everything in their power to encourage his body to grow. It was around that time that he began painting, eventually studying at the Beaux-Arts in Paris and showing his work at exhibitions. This brought him to America, where the three-foot, 11-inch artist painted and took photographs before being noticed by casting agents who insisted on him trying his hand at acting in films. Some of his roles are not so well-remembered, like Greaser's Palace and The Last Stop, but everyone knows the line, the plane, the plane, (laughs) from the late 70s series Fantasy Island. And he played the henchman Knickknack in the Bond film, The Man with the Golden Gun, um, where he's there's close-ups of his face when he's like, he's right behind you, Monsieur Scaramanga. <laughs> the Bond girls on that film described him as quite the ladies' man, always surrounded by a bevy of beauties. In his later years, he suffered depression and alcoholism. His final appearance on an episode of The Ben Stiller Show in 1992, a year before he took his life by gunshot at the age of 50. Some believe it was his depression over a failed love affair, while it was later suggested that he was in a great deal of pain because his internal organs were crowding his small frame to the point that he had to sleep kneeling or else he couldn't breathe. 
because of course his internal organs never stopped growing. He was born on this day in Montauban, France in 1943. Wow. Yeah. I remember him on Fantasy Island and I saw like a, um, a movie that was based on a night with him, like a journalist had a night with him. And I thought it was with Peter Dinklage playing, um, playing him. And it was really quite good. It's one of those movies you see on the plane that you're like, oh, I guess I'll watch this. And it turns out to be quite good. I've gotten into the habit of only watching movies I've already seen on airplanes. Oh. Because um, to take something new in, especially because, you know, I want to review it later and all that stuff. My brain needs to work a lot harder than it can in that situation. Mm -hmm. So I find that I either need to watch episodic TV or a film that I just really enjoy that I've seen a million times before. I just recently read one of your reviews for Pinocchio and, uh, oh, yeah. and another film that I was like, oh, I'm glad I read this because I don't want to watch that film now that I read your review on it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah no yeah. worries. Yeah. All right. George Lopez is a stand-up comedian and actor best known for his self-produced ABC sitcom, George Lopez, which ran from 2002 to 2007. The show was created after Sandra Bullock approached him to create uh, content focusing on Hispanic Americans that was missing from network television. After its cancellation, he was a commentator uh, uh, for Inside the NFL, a guest on Reno 911, and in uh, 2009, he began hosting Lopez Tonight on T- TBS. He agreed to switch in the time. He agreed to a switch in the time slot to accommodate Conan O'Brien's show. Then saw his show canceled after its second season. He also appeared in the films. Real Women Have Curves, The Spy Next Door, No Man's Land, and provided voices in The Smurfs 2 and Rio 2. He was named one of the top 25 Hispanics in America by Time Magazine in 2005, and he was born on this day in Mission Hills, California in 1961. Well, last but not least, Marco, somebody that I'm sure Amanda's going to say, who? Um, But the rest of us have heard of him, and that's William Shakespeare, widely regarded as the greatest writer in the English language and the world's greatest dramatist, often called the Bard of Avon. His extant works include 39 plays, 154 sonnets, and three long narrative poems. After marrying Anne Hathaway, I mean, is there anything she doesn't ruin, at the age of 18 in Stratford, He went to London and began a successful career as an actor and writer, part-owning the company The Lord Chamberlain's Men. His earliest plays were mostly comedies and histories, with tragedies becoming more common later. The most celebrated of them, Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet, Othello, King Lear, and The Scottish Play. Little is known of his private life, and he has been subject to a great deal of speculation about his physical appearance, sexuality, religious beliefs, and authorship. A theory still circulates today that he was not the actual author of his works. As far as I'm concerned, it's been debunked, but anyway. Okay, okay. In 1613, at the age of 49, he appears to have retired to Stratford, where he died three years later at the age of 52. There's a movie that Kenneth Branagh made a couple years ago, I think it's called All Is Lost, that sort of attempts to guess at what happened in the last few years of his life. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not very good. He was born on this day in Stratford-upon-Avon, England, in 1564. What do you think happened at the end of his life, Bill? Um, I think he just, you know, lived in this town until he died. Okay. <laughs> I think that's probably all the, I mean, what else was there to do in 1564? I guess, but he didn't live too long, too long, but who knows by those, by in that age, it probably was longer than I, than I. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, well, I don't know if 52 was that old, depending on the life you had. And, sure. um, you know, he lived through a tumultuous time for theater in England, uh, uh cause in the early 1600s, I, or, er, er, um, 
yeah, early 1600s is when you have uh, when James the first becomes king, and then that's around the time they closed all the theaters for a long time, and then they were you know because they were considered licentious and whatever, and then they were opened again, and I think. I think he went through enough upheavals and then like his theater burned down wow. and you know, I, I think he just got to a point where he'd had enough. Fair. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, listen, Bill, I hope you, ha- I hope you're able to have a picnic today because it is national picnic day. I hope so too, Mark. And, we- <laughs> <laughs> and I guess uh, you'll hear more from us tomorrow on Born on This Day. Indeed you will. <laughs> <laughs>